I don't think you had to do any of that. I think you chose to do that ahead of this podcast. Welcome into another D3 Datacast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Snyder, and I'm joined by the other host, Matt Snyder. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Zach. We're back. We had games. We watched games. I was in a gym. I was watching live streams. We had cameras swiveling the wrong direction, not keeping up with action. Uh, everything is in mid-season form, and I'm glad to be here. We're here in mid-November, which means it's time for two things, plaid flannel and Division Three basketball. And we got both right here on this podcast. Uh, Zach, well, I thought we'd jump into this and just kind of, you know, we're learning about the teams. We're learning about the season. Um, we had a top, preseason top 25 poll, but now we're seeing games. And just as a way to jump into our discussion, who do you think who do you think won the week? Who is one of the most impressive teams? Do you, who who do you think came out of of, of this opening? Uh, whatever we had five days, uh, and who who do you think was the was the the grand champion of the first week of the basketball season? Yeah, I don't know if I would say grand champion, but I, I'm going to go a little off the board here. You know, we we spend a lot of time talking about top, you know big boy programs, big boy conferences. And sometimes there's, there's a lot of other good, good teams, good conferences that go under the radar and aren't talked about as, you know, as much. So I, I, uh, I found one of those teams that, and, that I think is worth talking about here. And that's UW superior, Matt, because the kind of week that they had, they, they finished off a three and O week, perfect three and O week um, with wins at McAllister and then home wins against UW Lacrosse and UW River Falls, right? So I mean UW Superior, it's the one UW school not in the WIAC, kind of often the forgotten UW school. But here they have two wins over WIAC opponents, and then um, a really good win at McAllister, who's expected to be competing for a MIAC title. So good work out of UW Superior. Uh, definitely earned the mention here. Um, I'm sure they're feeling great about their week. Good job, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, some maybe unknowns about what UW Lacrosse is going to be this season, or what UW River Falls is going to be. Uh, I think McAllister had some good expectations. I think they're dealing with maybe a big injury, but still, that's that's three great wins for UW Superior, and I think they're going to be one of those teams right at the top of the UMAC. And I think they've shown they can beat some of those other teams from big conferences right away. So I agree with you, Zach. I think that's a great pick. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a little bit more of an obvious pick, and I'm going to take Wash U as a team that I think won the week. I was I was ready to say the entire UAA, and then. Uh, Swarthmore banked in a three and beat NYU. And so they went, NYU split the weekend series uh, at the Scholars Classic. But Wash U had a great showing there. They were 2-0 and against the top teams in the Centennial Conference. They defeated number 11 Swarthmore 76-56 on Saturday, a 20-point win against Swarthmore. That was huge. Then uh, today, Sunday, as we record this, they had just defeated Johns Hopkins by 6 points, 67 61. Um, I had Wash U at number 11 going into the season. I had them very strong. And and right now, if I had to make a new top 25, they'd be in the top 10 somewhere. They're definitely moving up for me. I think Wash U had some of the strongest results of the teams, kind of as, as I look at it, of the teams that were kind of in contention coming into the season. Wash U definitely was the one that, that like made a stake of their claim of we are here, we are here to stay, and here's a couple of results that prove it. Yeah, very impressive. You know, there was a lot of eyes on that Scholars Classic. And, uh, you know, the UAA comes out looking pretty good, not quite unblemished, but yeah. uh, a strong performance there from the UAA um, against the Centennials there. Matt, we do have one additional special uh, won the week shout out uh, that 
we want to send out to North Park head coach Sean Smith. Matt, the North Park Vikings uh, got a season opening win at Lawrence uh, and then had to play a back to back with an exhibition the next night against SIU Edwardsville. And they acquitted themselves very well there, playing a very competitive game into the second half. Uh, but uh, the, the notable thing about that one was that um, head coach Sean Smith was not on the sideline because uh, the family had uh, welcomed the birth of a, a baby boy. So congratulations uh, to Sean Smith. So good things going on in the basketball court and uh, good things uh, there in the personal life as well. So uh, shout out to Coach Smith. And, you know, Matt, they finished off the week. Uh, North Park did with another win over Marion. So uh, a solid week all around. Hard to hard to beat a week like that. Yeah, Vikings look good. I think they're good. I, I, I hope everyone's doing well in the Smith household. Baby's doing well. Mom's doing well. Uh, so congrats to them. And I think the Vikings are a team that looks very strong as we head into the uh, into the season here. Yeah. So, Matt, we started the season officially on Wednesday, and the season got off to a very fast start with a about as a top of a matchup as you could hope for on an opening night with number preseason number one, Christopher Newport, uh, playing a, a top 10 road game there at Hampton, Sydney. Uh, you know, Mac, I think any any conversation about how was your week watching D3 hoops has to start with, with opening night there, and that being the headlining program. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was a, a game in our picks, uh, and we, I think, all kind of expected a, a, a close game, and that's not what we got, and it was not in the favor of the number one team with uh, Christopher Newport falling at Hampton Sydney uh, rather convincingly. What are some kind of thoughts on that one, maybe uh, overall, and then just uh, as you were watching that game? Yeah, all the credit to Hampton Sydney. I think they they really dictated the game, in my opinion, from start to finish. Uh, they had a great crowd there, um, a nice atmosphere uh, down there at Hampton Sydney, and. I, Christopher Newport, to me, when I was just watching that game, they allowed Hampton City to dictate. I think Christopher Newport, too often, in my mind, maybe settled from for some maybe quick offensive possessions or some just maybe the first shot they had, maybe not the best shot opportunity they had. Uh, Hampton City was forcing them into some tough tough looks. I think that's going to be a great team. Uh, I had Hampton City highly ranked in my preseason ballot, and they, they looked like that team. Uh, but Christopher Newport was not the team. We didn't see the team that had just cut down the nets in Fort Wayne last March. Uh, they had a lot of those players returning. Uh, now, maybe some caveats here. Colin Hines and Ian Anderson, I think it was, uh, went down with injuries at some points during this game, and then we didn't see them play the next two games, so they were dealing with that. Uh, but even still, you know, just to see kind of Hampton City handle that game pretty much from start to finish, uh, and, and and Christopher Newport not really be, be able to, to – to find much of a, of a swing. Uh, I, I was really, I was surprised not that Hampton city was good, but just that we didn't see uh, maybe a little bit more from Christopher Newport. And I think we're going to have probably more conversations throughout this podcast about, you know, the things that Christopher Newport maybe did or didn't do this week. Uh, but, but yeah, Hampton city looked great. They looked like that, you know, definitely top 10 team, maybe top five team that I kind of think that they are. Uh, and, and I think there's questions about Christopher Newport now with their, Opening night that we're talking about now, they had another loss. Uh, you know, already two losses in week one. They only had three losses all season um, last year. So, you know, maybe they're not the team that we thought they were necessarily. Uh, but I think opening night was about Hampton Sydney and about the great things that they did uh, and about their very deserving mark, I think, now toward the top of Division Three and as one of the uh, ODAC favorites uh, going into the year. Yeah, I agree with you um, overall there. It, it felt like 
for large stretches of the game, there was just not a lot of rhythm really from either side. And then it, it hit a point maybe late in the, in the first half. And then it was certainly, you know, as Hampton Sydney was able to extend the lead in the second half that, you know, the, the Tigers reached a point where they finally got some shots falling and it just like never really happened for Christopher Newport. Um, and it, it was just, uh, it was kind of strange. They, they never really seemed to be able to settle into kind of what we, we saw from them when they were playing some of their best ball at the end of last year. Um, a lot of Trey Barber's touches were away from the basket. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even get on the score sheet until, uh, I don't know, was it like seven minutes left in the game? Something like that. Um, so it's just, it, it wasn't uh, really reminiscent of of those lasting images we had of Christopher Newport um, last year. But I think it's also just a reminder that while they did return a bunch, while they are the defending national champions, you know, there's a pretty large group that could be in that kind of tier one consideration. And it's not like they were an overwhelming champion like, uh, you know, Randolph Macon was the year before that. Like they didn't just blow through that tournament. They didn't blow through that final four. Um, we had a overall a very competitive final four, about as competitive as you could you could have between um, all the games we saw there. We, you know, of course, Christopher Newport was fortunate to get out of the first round last year. Uh, just a, a a shot from Farmingdale State that um, didn't go down from being a, a knocked out in the first round there. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think ultimately, it, you know, that game says a lot more about Hampton Sydney than it does about Christopher Newport. But I think we just you know, there, there's a whole pack there, and I think Christopher Newport ultimately would be fine, but there's a whole pack of teams there that's going to be very hard to separate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we should remember that last season, these two teams played kind of earlier on in the year, and Hampton Sydney, I think, won that game by 15 points, and Christopher Correct. Newport ended up being fine. So I don't think, I don't think this, this, certainly this one result doesn't end Christopher Newport's season or end their chances of being a top team or a top 10 team or whatever. Uh, but it was just a surprising result. I think they had a lot of the, the preseason hype, the momentum. We're reminded that that means nothing now going into the season. Like the, the, These players are going to go and play the games, and it's maybe some new players coming in, some new rotations. Um, other teams, you know, want it as well. They want, maybe Hampton City wanted this one more. Uh, but so, yeah, we're reminded that it's a brand new season. Just because Christopher Newport cut down the nets doesn't mean that they're just going to march through this year, and we've all already saw them stumble. Uh, but again, yeah, credit to Hampton Sydney. They're the team that I thought they were. I thought that they were going to compete well, uh, and they did. And um, I just, I think maybe Christopher Newport competed a little bit less than I thought that they would. All right, man. Any other games uh, or teams that you want to highlight here? Uh, just kind of looking back at at yet, you know, what you were able to take in uh, through this first week. Yeah, another another team I watched um, a little bit of was uh, St. Joseph, Connecticut. Uh, they were a team that was highly rated the last couple of seasons, and they were. I did not vote for them in my preseason top twenty-five ballot just because they seemed to have a lot of roster turnover, and I just didn't know what they would be. So that wasn't really um, any mark against their program. Just I, I don't really know what I'm voting on. So I, I wanted to pay attention to them in this early season to see kind of if I should put them right back in that mix. And I think that they had a, they had a really strong week. Um, opening night had a hard hard fought win over Yeshiva. That game was back and forth. I think it was a four-point win for St. Joseph kind of right toward the end. I think it was maybe even tied with just a couple of seconds left. Um, and then they went on the road to Vermont to number 24 Middlebury, and they came away with a six-point win there. Um, so I think that they're a, now a team that's right back into consideration for me. I don't know where they would be in the poll if I had to submit one this week. Um, 
you know, probably not back at like number two where I had them a lot last season, but they would be in that mix. Maybe they wouldn't quite make it, but they would be in that mix for maybe those last five spots right now. I think St. Joseph does have a strong team. They have a strong program. I'm getting more and more convinced that it wasn't just like Jim Calhoun was able to recruit a bunch of guys as they started that program. I think they have some momentum here as a program that can be a force uh, in their conference for sure, in that part of the country and, and, and nationally as well. So I think St. Joseph had a strong start to the week uh, with that Yeshiva win and that Middlebury win. And I'm, I'm really interested to see them kind of be back in that mix. Yeah, obviously someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. But I, you know, I look at that, that game between St. Joseph and Yeshiva and uh, come out with a positive opinion of both teams, yeah. you know, because they're, right. they're both kind of fit in that mold of like, we got to, we want to see like what these teams are going to be. Right. And so, you know, obviously St. Joseph came out with the win, but you know, you, you watch it and both teams look, you, you come out feeling good about both teams right, right. now. Obviously if you're a max fan, you're not feeling great about losing, but you know, hopefully they, you know, like a, just a general uh, observer of division three can, can, you know, come out of there feeling good about what she, Yeshiva will be uh, this year. And then like, like you said, um, you know, th there's a lot of questions about St. Joseph just because it's like, who is going to be playing for them uh, with so much roster turnover uh, having been a veteran team last year, but it's like, okay, yeah, you can see, you see it. And, and uh, it's like, things are going to be okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So Matt, th my approach to kind of my view of the first week, I think was a little more high level. And and one of the big takeaways I had is just that, um, you know, there were some things that we knew were going to, you know, be strong or deep. And I'm coming away from this uh, first week feeling like we may have even underestimated how strong or how deep those things uh, may be. And so we'll start with the UAA. Um, and so we mentioned the UAA overall had a very good uh, 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 set of results there, um, buzzer beater notwithstanding at the Scholars Classic. Um, Emery uh, gets a win over a Piedmont team that might be a little bit better than expected. I mean, they between exhibition performance and playing a close game against Emory, who you know, maybe yeah. uh, we ex maybe we're uh, uh, lowballing what Piedmont is, but. Um, but Matt, I want to point out Carnegie Mellon, right? So the coaches poll comes out. Carnegie Mellon is picked dead last in the UAA. But of course, in the UAA, someone's got to finish last. That doesn't really say so much about the overall quality of the team. But what? So what does Carnegie Mellon do? But come out after being picked to finish last in the UAA, they start non-conference play with a win at LaRoche, a win at Whitworth, and then Sunday here a win at Whitman. Right, so Laroche La is always a you know a solid team um, in in Region Seven. That's going on the road there, getting a win there. That's good. And then going to the Pacific Northwest and getting wins or the preseason uh, poll in the NWC number one and number two. Yeah. That that's the that's the team that got picked to finish last in the UA. Going out there to take taking out both of the top two favorites in the Northwest Conference. Right, so that. That's what the UAA is going to be this year. Um, yeah, and the Northwest Conference, that, not a bad league. Right. And we're talking about the bottom of the no. UAA, and they're, they're, they're a solid conference out there. So I just, you know, we knew that there was going to be a really good team there, or a good tier at the top, like top half of the UAA. And Matt, I, that bottom half, they might be just as formidable if you stack them up against the top of most other conferences. Yeah. I'd so we, we've seen it here. We've seen it here with Carnegie Mellon going out 
and uh, taking out the top two in the Northwest Conference. I believe heading into Sunday, we're still early, right? So the computers are not quite calibrated. But heading into Sunday, I think all eight UAA teams were in the top 65 of the Massey ratings. Uh, so like the computers are already like, yeah, these are all like really great teams. So we have eight teams in the conference that are basically tournament caliber. If you want to think of it that way, they're like in the top 64 ish of the whole country. And that's, that's crazy. And then similar thought, Matt, we knew region seven was stacked, right? Getting, just getting ranked in region seven is going to be difficult. A lot of good teams, a lot of depth. And then you take into account kind of just some of the results we saw this week. Marietta beats Christopher Newport. Right. Uh, Carnegie Mellon goes three and oh, including, you know, those two wins we talked about in the uh, Northwest Conference. Um, you know, Heidelberg beats Bluffton by 40 and Penn State Altoona by 45. Now, you know, not like grade A wins over, you know, brand name programs or whatever. But when you're beating teams by 40, by 45, like those are big numbers that you have to take notice of. So. I think you take all the teams that we expected to be like in the mix in region seven and just like try to make a top seven ranking and then start looking at the teams that are going to be beyond that. Like you could make probably a top 10 that would be competitive. You know, those teams, seven, eight, nine, 10 that are going to be fighting for that last spot are going to be just out of the region rank regional rankings in region seven. You know, they're going to be like mid region ranked teams in most other regions, right? We knew region seven was going to be stacked, but you know, some of these teams that we figured on being a little bit more on the fringe, maybe like a Marietta or a Heidelberg already are putting up just performances that make you uh, take note. And, you know, I, for as much as we we already knew that region seven was stacked and it was going to be difficult to get ranked. Like it's, it's already looking even harder than it was just based on what we thought. Yeah, you're talking about a lot of these teams that weren't even receiving votes, maybe in the preseason or receiving only a few votes, had strong results, probably could be getting more uh, consideration if we had a poll this week. Make a list of the Region 7 teams you have, like Mount Union, who we saw in the Final Four. John Carroll is highly rated. Uh, Marietta now is definitely on the map. You have Calvin, you have Trine, you have uh, Wabash. That's already, I probably already named six or seven teams right there. We haven't even gotten to like Heidelberg or Hope or uh Worcester. And, or Worcester or anyone else um anyone else in the NCAC besides Wabash like there's there's gonna be and I've probably left teams out just saying off the top of my head but there's like I think you, I think you're correct there is probably at least 10 teams who could be ranked in a lot of other places in the country uh and some of those teams are not even gonna sniff oh Carnegie Mellon we are I, I didn't list them Case Western Reserve right um so there's going to be teams in Region 7 who are not ranked, who probably could be strong top 25 candidates, and who would be probably ranked in eight or nine of the other regions, but they might be ninth on the list in Region 7, just because, like you said, it's so deep, it's going to be so strong. Uh, unless something happens, maybe one of those teams we mentioned isn't quite as good as we thought. But I think mostly what we've seen out of Region 7 is teams like, okay, that's a pretty strong result, having the having the season that we thought or slightly better. I don't... I can't think of any of those teams kind of we named that so far I've had results that say, oh, maybe they're really not that good. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think Region 7 is going to be strong. We saw it. I think Region 6 and 7 last season were the strongest two regions. I think Region 7 for sure is going to be very, very strong this year, probably Region 6 as well. But it's just going to be 
uh, again, the region with the most teams is going to be so hard to get ranked in that region. You're going to have to be great, uh, and, and someone's not going to be ranked, and that's going to have ramifications for their conference because they're not going to get credit for those regionally ranked games against uh, a really good opponent there. Yeah, we already know we're going to see some very important head-to-head -head matchups coming up, uh, yeah, so that sure. will add a, a little extra sauce into the equation. All right, Matt. Let's um let's like pull a little uh, audible here from our usual format. You know, normally we have a mailbag segment to close the episode, but since most of the ep the questions we got kind of fit into this discussion that we've been having, we thought it made sense to kind of pull that forward. So let's get into our mailbag because that will help further our discussion. Though first we need to start off with uh, with one from the errors and omissions department, Matt. We received a comment, this comment here, uh, on last week's video from Stuart McCallum. Curious why the team didn't acknowledge Tom's take about CMS making a run to the Final Four. And uh, to refresh everyone's memories, in our bold predictions and hot takes segment, we had a um, an entry from former Johns Hopkins player Tom Quarry, and one of his uh, one of his pr bold predictions was that Claremont Mud Scripts would make a run to the Final Four, which I know we read, but apparently we didn't offer our take on that, Matt. Yeah, I think that was just an omission in the moment. We're talking about a lot of things, and we just kind of moved on before we got to that. But uh, I think that I think that's a, a bolder prediction than I would have had. Uh, Claremont Mud Scripts. I just looked back at my ballot in preparation for for answering this question finally, and they were they were my twenty sixth team. So uh, I did not make them a top twenty five uh, entry by one spot, uh, and. I think they're getting a lot of a lot of hype here in this early season. They had a very convincing win over. I didn't write it down. Was it UC Santa Cruz? Um, they had a, they had a very yeah. strong win. But I think Claremont Mudscripts is a great team. Uh, very tough for some of those West Coast or Region Ten teams to make deep runs into the tournament because we know, based on the geography and sort of the 500 mile flight limitations, that they usually don't get a fair shake, even if they're in position to maybe host. Uh, a first weekend or a, definitely a sectional weekend game. Uh, so they're usually on the road, and that means probably, you know, a thousand miles plus travel. Uh, so it's difficult for those West Coast teams. I do think Claremont Mudscripts has a lot of talent. If I had to vote again for week two, uh, they're definitely in that mix. They maybe would now be right above my cutoff line and be into my ballot. So I think they're a strong team. I wouldn't quite pick them for the Final Four, but as a hot take, I like that kind of outside-the-box pick. I think it's a reasonable one maybe to submit at the uh, at the week one level. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a bold prediction. Uh, and Matt, I agree with you as I was thinking through it too. Also, you have to, you have to factor in, uh, kind of how those Island schools are treated, um, necessarily, unfortunately by the committee with their hands being tied a little bit. So in, in areas where, uh, seating is not as uh, closely able to be held as in other areas of the country, um, our Island schools, uh, kind of, uh, suffer from, from the effects of that. Um, and, you know, where they are able to be plugged in in more of a fair seating arrangement, it often means being flown across the country. So that's uh, difficult as, as well. But of course, linking this with my prediction that we will see four new Final Four teams, this works for me. Yeah, that would that would be new. That would be a new team. All right, moving into the official start of this, uh, this week's mailbag. Matt here, this one comes from D3 Hoops Fan Zero on 
the social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter. With Heidelberg and Marietta having impressive wins this weekend, are either of the teams worthy of moving into the top 25 poll already? Yeah, kind of thankful I don't have to submit a ballot this week uh, after the preseason. We wait a couple of weeks usually before um, uh, the D3 Hoops crew has us vote again. Uh, and I like that because you, you make your preseason assumptions and then you have to kind of see who's good. You have to figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I think these two teams would definitely be in the mix. Marietta, for sure, having that signature win against like a Christopher Newport um, on their resume. Now, I know Christopher Newport was dealing with those injuries and things. So sure, if we want to caveat that, we can. But there's a strong result for Marietta. I don't want to knock them for that. Um, they played the team that was uh, on the floor there. Uh, so Marietta, again, um, yes, I think strong showing so far. They had a very convincing win against Washington and Jefferson, and then they had a strong game against Christopher Newport. I think I would probably vote them in a top 25 position if I voted this week. Uh, Heidelberg, I'm not sure if they would get one of those spots, but they would definitely be in the mix as well. They were a team that was kind of uh, on my preseason watch list that I didn't uh, uh, vote end up voting for. So Heidelberg would be in the mix. I think by the computers, by my efficiency ratings and the Massey ratings, both Marietta and Heidelberg are in the the top 25 right now. Uh, so yes, I think they would both be worthy of consideration. I think Marietta more for sure. And Heidelberg is a maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The problem, and it's not my problem because I'm not a voter, but to move a team in, it means you're moving some yeah. teams out and going back to sort of my, uh, you know, big, big picture takeaway from the first week is that it, the, we saw kind of more teams adding to the pot of teams that we think are really good at more than we saw really teams be like, Oh, I thought that was good, but they just laid the stinker. So I guess Matt, you would have to, as, as the actual uh, uh, voter have to work through on a ballot. How does that work with who actually moves out now? You know, um, ETBU goes out and they lose to Pomona Pitzer. Maybe that's an opportunity they would would fall back to that like watch list. But again, that's uh, yeah. not something I have to worry about. And actually, you don't even have to worry about it for a couple of weeks just by nature of what the the poll schedule actually is. Yeah, and in weeks like this where I'm not submitting an actual ballot, I, I'm I'm really thinking about these things more in the abstract than I am about the specifics. So like, yeah, Marietta is a top twenty five team. But like you said, when I would actually go through the exercise, I would have to find someone to drop out to put them in. So if you have, if, if, if all 25 teams had strong results, you know, maybe I would say, yeah, Marietta's a top 25 team and then not really find a great place to put them in. And that might be the reality of the situation. Now, I think this week we could, um, but, but again, you know, it's, is it, sometimes you think of like, what is a, you know, number 17 in the country feel like? And you, you think about that, but then when you're actually ranking them, you might think, well, this team's too high or too low, but that's just the reality of the situation based on who's around them. And uh, this week, we're like you said, we're afforded the luxury of just thinking about it kind of more abstractly than having to figure out who's in and who's out. Brings us to our next one here from friend of the program, Ryan Whitnable. Biggest surprise of opening week? Team who impressed and disappointed the most in our sample size of a season so far. Yeah, so I think for me... I don't know if you want me to answer this first, Zach. Uh, we talked about one, or actually, we talked about two of my most impressive teams. Uh, Wash U, I said they won the week. I think that they were the most impressive early. I had high expectations. I was thinking I was a little high on number 11. I was a little bit like, maybe this is too high. That was not too high. Uh, Wash U definitely had strong results. I know a small sample, but they beat two strong teams on neutral courts. Uh, and they probably traveled the farthest to get to that Scholars Classic. So for me, Wash U, I think is an easy, um, maybe not a surprise, but most, most impressive. 
Um, and then another team, we talked a little bit about them, but Yeshiva, I think, surprised me to the positive, or I was happy to see um, what they are ha- have going for this season. They are 2-1. They had two wins in New York. Uh, Geneseo and Oneonta, they won um, both of those games. Uh, but they have a new player, um, Or Sanjevsky. He looks pretty good. He adds some length, some skill to their team. He's another scoring threat along with Zevi Samet and Max Zakheim. And to me, just watching, I'm not like a huge eye test person, but me watching Yeshiva play uh, in parts of, I think, all three of the, or two of those three games, they look to me a little bit more of a complete team than we saw last year. Last year, I think there was times of like, well, Zevi's going to have to score 30 here or else it's just not happening. Um, and, and, you know, maybe some, maybe like Oren Batesh is going to hit a three or something like that. But other than that, it was like some games had to be the Zevi show. I feel like this year there's maybe more pieces to that puzzle. I feel like maybe there's a little bit more length, a little bit more size. Maybe they're not going to get out rebounded by 40 every night. Maybe it's not going to have to be Zevi just forcing up threes for the, for, to make all the offense. And I'm not, I know I'm unfairly characterizing their season last year, but sometimes it felt that way as an outsider watching. Uh, this year, it just so far looks like they have more parts and pieces and they can kind of run the type of team, the right type of offense they want to run. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see that. I'm excited for that program. Uh, we know like the Ryan Terrell gave lifer years were great, but those players eventually graduate and move on. And, and maybe the next wave uh, is here as well. Um, I don't know if you have uh, some impressive, impressive teams or if you want me to get to my disappoint disappointments right away. Uh, no, I think I don't think I have any anyone else to add from what we've already talked about. Um, you know, I think Superior is the off the radar one that uh, more people pr- should take notice of. Um, but uh, so I'll just put another plug in for them. Yeah, and then dis- I think for me, like disappointment. Um, you know, Christopher Newport starting one and two. I think that's a little bit disappointing to be a near unanimous number one and just kind of stumble a little bit out of the gate. We, we, we talked about their difficult stretch, the difficult schedule. They went out and had to challenge themselves in the non-conference because that's their whole schedule. Coast to coast doesn't offer conference play. And they're getting those regionally ranked games or teams that they expect to be in the mix. So credit to them. Um, but they haven't quite won those games yet. I expect Christopher Newport to be fine to find it. They have too many good players for it to be a struggle all season long. So I, I'm expecting Christopher Newport to be right there in the mix to probably be the pool A and the coast to coast. And if not the pool A, to probably be in pool C consideration. So no real worries about Christopher Newport long-term, but just for a week one disappointment, I think for me, I have to mention them again there. And then another disappointment for me, a team that made my top 25 ballot was Barry. And they played one game this week and they lost to Bellhaven by seven. And I don't know exactly know a lot about Bellhaven, but they were like a number 150 or 200 type team last year. Uh, and assuming it's something that's similar along those lines this year, like Barry going out and losing that game by seven is just not maybe what I wanted to see out of a team I voted in the top 25. So maybe maybe a disappointment there uh, for me. Oh, well, we talked about finding opportunities to move someone out to be able to move someone in and maybe maybe yeah, that's, that's one so that's maybe an opportunity yeah yeah so i i think uh you know i think probably starting one and two is a disappointment for christopher newport but i think right now i choose to look at those games saying more about marietta and yeah. hampton sydney than about christopher newport but and, and right i think you know there is enough returning that they should be fine yeah right but I think for sure, uh, any any talk about um, 
you know, their hold on the number one ranking is totally gone at this point, right? They're just another part of the puzzle somewhere in the top half of the top 25, um, you know, still based on expectations. Um, but again, I, I think, I think that's more about Hampton, Sydney and Marietta being really good. Um, and maybe even better than we expected, um, than, than Christopher Newport. Well, and, um, you know, a team that was maybe in this position last year was maybe Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, they did that California trip. They lost a, a couple of games early. I, I don't know. They maybe started one and two or something like that as well. They ended up being pretty, pretty well fine. They, they were uh, in the tournament. They, um, they won, they, they hosted that, that first round, uh, opening weekend. They were, they're a good team. They're a strong team. They're right there in the mix. Uh, you know, as good as anyone, basically by the end of the season, they are as well this year. I think Christopher Newport will be in that mix as well. Come the end of the season, just like Mary Harden Baylor was last year. Yep. And then Mary Harden Baylor had to go into that second weekend with Josiah Johnson having a broken hand. Right. Right. Cause he hit that, he hit that game winner with basically unable to flick his wrist and somehow hit that shot. Yep. Well, most disappointing for me was being sick and being pretty well knocked out for Wednesday and Thursday. So that was a, a big disappointment for me uh, and in the opening week of Division Three basketball. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Next, another fr- friend of the program here, Matt Scott Peterson. What are qualities slash properties of teams that we can learn about in an opening weekend that should change our minds about them? This is yeah. an interesting question. Yeah, yeah this is ahead. one I've been tr- thinking about in similar ways recently because you, you come into a season with your preseason expectations and assumptions about all these teams. Then they start playing each other and you know a team might lose a close game to a team you didn't think was in the mix, but then you, you maybe find out that that team was better than you thought and that that loss wasn't quite as bad. Uh, but how, how do we know this stuff? Or like what makes us... us uh, you know, change our opinions about a team, change our expectations so early. Uh, it's hard to say, right? Uh, I think I think a big one is you know you you do you do kind of know who's pretty good and who's not good. Like it would be surprising if all of our top twenty-five teams were actually bad, right? And all the teams that were not in the top twenty-five were actually good. So you know if you're probably beating good programs. So a surprising win or a convincing win over uh, over who is expected to be a good program maybe would help change your mind early or like a bad, or like a really bad loss. Um, but, but maybe more than that is if you really wanted to get more into specifics, like, is there a player, is there a freshman that's really making a difference early that you didn't expect or a transfer that maybe you didn't really hear about, but is now all of a sudden um, really, really in the mix. Like I mentioned um, or Sinjewski, Sanjevsky uh, from Yeshiva. I didn't really know a whole lot about him, but watching him play is like, oh, like that adds a dynamic to Yeshiva. And now maybe I'm going to adjust my expectations because I've seen that. Uh, we think last year with Calvin, um, we, we had never seen Jalen Overway play. And then he comes up the first weekend and scores 30 plus against UW Oshkosh. And that, that's maybe a reason to think like, oh, Calvin is now in the mix. They have this freshman who's at a high caliber. Other teams that have freshmen coming in that are high caliber uh, suddenly adds a new dynamic to your team or, or something you didn't expect just with like, you, you know, you think of returning talent. Uh, maybe they had only 50% of their, their minutes returning, but they get players to fill those minutes who are great. And if you can see that right away, then yeah, that's a reason to adjust it. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is players you either just didn't know about because it's, it's division three and you don't get big national recruiting information um, or, or, or transfers that somehow either escape the radar or just are still unknown because you didn't, they didn't play much at a higher level or, um, or, or whatnot. And, and if you can see them now making an impact, then that goes from potential or, or unknown to something of a known quantity at that point. 
And I think I would be less inclined to change my mind about a team than maybe make up my mind about a team, right? So we talked about those teams that you had on a watch list that, you know, program-wise or program name deserve to be there, but it's like, I don't know anything about what they're actually going to put on the floor, right? So that's a case like with we talked about with St. Joseph, Connecticut already, and you've seen enough to be able to not change your mind, but make up your mind, right? And so uh, we also talk about like what we've seen from Christopher Newport, and we can say it's a disappointing start, but I don't think it's really going to cause us to change our mind about what we think Christopher Newport yeah. is, um, just because the personnel involved is more known whereas you know with a team like st joseph the the personnel was was more unknown right, right? or same thing with wheaton and then wheaton comes out and they lose their opener uh, you know in disappointing fashion uh to benedictine and so it's like okay that helps not change your mind but make up your mind because they were another one of those teams it's like you know wheaton from a program identity standpoint deserves to be on a watch list but i can't rank them or really make up my mind about them right uh, but now the kind of these early season games can can help inform uh, that early opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Matt, we do have one more here in the mailbag uh, in the theme of the early season, uh, uh, early season portion here. Based on your models projected SOS, which teams have the best non-conference schedule for the season? This comes from MaxFan at GoMaccabees on x slash twitter yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to table this one uh, when i saw the question come in i thought i was gonna be able to get it pretty easily for today uh for sunday show um but i, I was gonna have to finagle some things too much in my spreadsheet to do right now so i want to come back to it and and see if i can get uh, i was gonna i was gonna take this from like an efficiency rating standpoint to like who actually has played the toughest schedule not necessarily a uh, ncaa criteria um I think, but I'm, I'm going to try it both ways. I, I just wasn't quite able to get it. So I'm either going to try to follow up in a future episode um, or in maybe a d3datacast.com blog post at some time when I have the ability to to get this out. Because all the information is there. I just have to make a new uh, a new way to display it for myself. And I, I thought there was going to be an easy way to do it, and it wasn't going to be an easy way. So uh, I, I gave up on the hard way, and I'm going to have to apologize here for that. We'll have to come back to this. There you go. Take the easy way out. Perfect. Yep. All right, Matt. So we already mentioned that there's no top 25 poll coming up this week. Uh, we've already talked about a lot of games, some reactions, some teams. Um, but uh, so the way we, we will handle this segment where we usually talk about your new ballot is uh, talk uh, talk some more about games, teams, reactions, yeah. opinions, uh, and use your your previous ballot and, and talk more in terms of a, a stock report, up, down, even. Yeah, I started thinking about this even kind of while or before those mailbag questions were coming through. I think that's what people are kind of talking about now is what games impressed you, who disappointed you, how do we know if a team's good or not early? So I just kind of started thinking about my own ballot of like, who would I put up or down or where would these teams kind of go if I had to re-rank them again? So just kind of doing like stock up or stock down. I think we've talked about Christopher Newport a lot already. I would bring them down. I don't know exactly to where... Um, you know, I, I don't know, like definitely out of the top eight, probably. And then at some point, maybe I'd, I'd roll them in um, after after these results, uh, not necessarily at nine, but, you know, probably above 20. So I don't know if that like eight to 20, I, that's maybe where I would land Christopher Newport. 
um, somewhere in there. Uh, that's getting too specific for me now. Um, you know, okay. So then Oswego state, UW whitewater, I both had stock up. There's not a whole lot of room for them to go up, but part of that stock up is a little bit more confirming what I thought about these teams or my preseason expectation for these teams. Uh, Oswego state had two large margin of victories, a SUNY poly and RPI, uh, big numbers there. I think Oswego state's great. I think they're, they've shown, you know, exactly what they're going to be so far this year. Uh, UW Whitewater had two convincing wins against my Mayak opponents. They beat Gustavus Adolphus and they beat St. Mary's, Minnesota. So I think Whitewater's kind of right up there in the mix. Um, Keene State, I just called even. They only had one result, but it was a very strong, a, a huge number win against Western New England. Um, so whether you want to call that even or stock up for Keene State, I think they're kind of what I expected, um, but only with one game there. I just kind of called them even. Hampton, Sydney, a big up, um, you know. Christopher Newport opening night, they just kind of hit him in the mouth early. And then, like you said, later in the game, things started hitting for Hampton Sydney, and they just you know won that game by 21. Then they came back Sunday, a 26-point win over Greensboro. I think Hampton Sydney is showing, yes, indeed, they are good. Um, NYU, I'm calling even, even though they went 1-1 one one at home at the Scholars Classic. Uh, they beat Johns Hopkins at home. The Swarthmore um, loss was a buzzer beater. Honestly, they should have won that game. That was a double-digit lead with like eight minutes left. Uh, down the stretch, I thought NYU, they ha uh, at one point they had a th maybe a four-point lead with only a handful of seconds left. And uh, you could tell that their intent was, we don't want to foul on, a, on a, a shot and give them free throws or accidentally get a three and one and tie it. But I think they played their defense a little bit too lax and they just let um, Swathbore come down and shoot a quick three. Um, and put it back in a position where they had to go to a go to the line. Um, I, I, I think they should have won that game. They should have handled the end of that game a little bit differently. But even still, again, Swarthmore, Johns Hopkins, good teams. Um, so kind of close games, both ways, a win and a loss. I would still keep uh, NYU kind of about where I had them. I'd say even. Oh, Williams is a down, maybe significantly down. They had a double-digit loss, 16-point loss uh, at WPI. Um, I do have WPI number 18. That was a road game for Williams. So not the worst thing in the world, but 16 points. Um, don't love to see it. They'd probably be a top 25 team, but we're going to have this season-long debate again about is Williams really good or not. I'm looking forward to that tremendously. Uh, they did bounce back and beat Dickinson by 32. But, um, you know, again, the, the WPI loss does sting there. Uh, John Carroll, I will stay stock up. They beat uh, SUNY Geneseo by... Uh, 10, I think, at opening night. And that was a little bit of an eh result for me. And then they came back with a large number win against Oneonta on Sunday. So, like, yeah, I think John Carroll with the Williams loss and maybe Christopher Newport loss could move up a slot or two for sure in my mind. Mount Union I called even. Um, they had an overtime win against Gwynedd Mercy, which I think had you and me both raise an eyebrow. I think we texted about that game back and forth a little bit. Like, what, what was the deal with that? Um, you know, don't know exactly what Gwynedd Mercy is going to be this year, but was surprised to see an overtime game there from Mount Union. Then they came back and won uh, by 24 at Chatham. So that was a more uh, expected result there for Mount Union. Wash U, we talked about a lot. I think they're up. I think they had two great results, some of the best results of any team in Division Three in the early season. Uh, so Wash U is up. Calvin, I'll call even. They had one result, a, a home win by 11 against Denison, a game I was at. I thought Denison looked strong. I thought Calvin played well. I think it was a good enough. It was an overwhelming uh, um, result there for Calvin, but it was good. It was strong. I would kind of keep them where they are. They might probably like float up a spot or two based on some results around them. But overall, I think I would keep Calvin pretty even. 
uh, for sure. I'm going to even call Johns Hopkins at 13 even, even though they uh, lost two games at the Scholars Classic. I think they were competitive in both. One was a true road game. Um, you know, I wouldn't penalize them too much. They would stay around those mid-teens spots, I think, for me. Uh, Swarthmore, uh, similarly, I'd keep even. I would have maybe, you know, there's a point where they had lost that Wash U game by a lot, and then they were down double digits to NYU, and I was thinking, man, like, is Swarthmore just, are they out for now? Are they going to be out of the top 25? They came back and showed good effort in beating NYU, so I think, okay, yeah, they can maybe be around the middle of the pole. Um, I think things can swing wildly this time of the year based on a few results because that's all we have uh, but I would, I'd call them roughly even um, Catholic is roughly even even an 11 point win over Mary Washington a five point win over Stevens at home I think nothing really bad there nothing overwhelmingly good I think kind of as expected maybe from Catholic uh, Emory I'm also calling even eight point win over Piedmont that was close the whole way we kind of were like is Piedmont good um, we're not really sure I think Piedmont was the team that almost beat Coastal Carolina in an exhibition game. Coastal Carolina is D1. Right. Emory's a team yep. that beat two D2s in exhibition games, um, I believe. So, like, strong results in exhibition from Emory. Piedmont was like, okay, like, maybe Piedmont's the team that's going to beat a D1. Uh, and then this was a game that Piedmont led at halftime, and then Emory in the second half kind of controlled the game and won by eight. So that was a little bit surprising, but, like, you know, who, who knows what Piedmont is? So I'm just going to call Emory even. Um, Emory even. Randolph-Macon, I think down. I wasn't sure about this one, but I think slightly stock down on Randolph-Macon. So they had a, a convincing win over Pfeiffer. Then they lost uh, on the road by five to Virginia Wesleyan in a game that both teams scored only in the 40s. Uh, the box score looked ugly. I think the teams combined like three for 36 or something on three-point attempts. Uh, it looked bad. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan is a team that I considered, uh, they were on my watch list for my preseason top 25. So that's not a terrible loss a road loss in the ODAC by five. It happens. Um, you know, but for a team that was in my top 20, maybe, maybe that would be a stock down for them. I think, uh, WPI, we talked about their big win over Williams. They'd be stocked up for me. They also had a double digit win over Worcester state, a 20 point win over St. Joseph's Maine, uh, Worcester state and St. Joseph's Maine by themselves wouldn't have been results to really change my opinion, but then throw in the big win over Williams. And I think, yes, stock up for WPI, uh, Rowan, well, Matt, yeah, go Matt, ahead. just, just to jump in on WPI here, you know, you, you might be even, but I think probably top 25 voters overall oh, will yeah. need to be stock way up on yeah. WPI. Cause here you had them 18th and that represented Half of Half. their total poll points uh, for the preseason poll. So, you know, you're calling. You, you may, uh, uh, you know, you may be up on them, but I think is this is a way up for uh, you know the national uh, scene in terms of voters because uh, you were way out ahead in this one. Yeah, they would if if we had a poll this week, they would probably be a team um, that was receiving votes, but that saw their margin increase the most or, or started getting most new votes. Like Marietta would also be in that mix as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people would maybe, maybe catch up to where I had them, if not move them up a little bit more uh, with that result. Um, yeah. I had at number 19 Rowan, they had a really nice weekend at the Rochester tournament, uh, a four point win over Maryville, then a one point win over Worcester. Um, Couple good wins there for Rowan, and I would, I would, I would bump them up probably a little bit up. Um, Carthage, my gut reaction, I had Carthage at number twenty. My gut, gut reaction on them was stock down, which is maybe, maybe harsh. A nineteen point win over Westminster, Pennsylvania, then a four point win over Teal. I uh, don't really know what Teal's going to be this year, but they, 
were kind of mid in the pack conference last year, which is not great. And years before that, they were kind of down. Um, not so, what you would expect a result from a CCIW yeah, favorite, right? a potential yeah. CCIW favorite. So I was like, ah, four point win against Teal. Like I know they've gotten two wins, two and zero. Oh, maybe, maybe, um, maybe harsh to say stock down on Carthage a little bit, but I didn't feel great after seeing that score. Um, North Park, I would say stock up. They kind of handled business against teams that you expected them to handle their business against. Um, also throw in maybe this week, the exhibition against, uh, SIU Edwardsville in which they were very competitive for the first half and into the start of the second half before kind of, you know, what tends to happen, the, uh, athleticism and ability of the D ones maybe takes over. And I think they ended up uh, dropping that game by 25, but that was an exhibition for North Park. It was against a D one opponent. And I think overall they kind of looked like they belong. So North Park, I would probably now put them as my CCIW favorite. I wasn't quite sure between them and Carthage coming to the year, uh, but I would move them up. Um, at 22, I had Mary Harden Baylor. I was kind of low on Mary Harden Baylor compared to a lot of people. Uh, they went um, up to Illinois. They won the Illinois Wesleyan tournament. They looked pretty good. Uh, 18 point win over UW, oh, sorry, 13 point win over UW Stout. And then uh, a three-point win over host Illinois Wesleyan. I would I would move Mary Harden Baylor up a little bit. I think they looked good. Uh, I talked about Barry being a disappointment. One result, a loss to Bellhaven. I would remove them from my top 25 at this point. They were at 23. Um, trying at 24, I think this looked good. I'd give them a stock up, a 22-point win over Hanover, a 17-point win over Mount St. Joseph, both convincing margins. Um, they seem like they've got a, a, a few guys who can score now. I saw the game, I think, on Sunday I think it was the Sunday box score, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, both Cortez Garland and Fred Garland were in double digits for the game that I saw. Uh, two uh, former Albion players who are now at Trine. Um, Cortez is a graduate student. Fred, I think, is a true senior. Uh, and they, they add uh, abilities on both ends of the floor, but they're players that could also score. And I think last year, Trine was very, very strong defensively. They were one of the better defensive teams in all of Division Three, but just a lot of games they had trouble scoring. Um, and getting a couple more players in there, along with maybe Brent Cox, that they can all score. I think that will add a dynamic that Trine sorely missed. Um, so seeing uh, some of those results, I would maybe move Trine up a little bit. Uh, and Elmhurst is another team with a five, um, a one-game result that would move down. They had a five-point home win over Concordia Chicago. And I think for a ranked team, maybe you should beat Concordia Chicago by more than five at home. So... Uh, just one game, small samples for everything, but that's kind of my gut feel on my ballot. Um, and then maybe a, um, a couple teams I didn't vote for that were in the the, the true top 25, like Wabash was number 16. Uh, I'd probably call them even. I think they had one result, a 13-point win against Mount St. Joseph. Uh, e East Texas Baptist was a team you already called out as a team maybe falling out. Um, they were number 20 coming into the season. They lost by 16 at Pomona Pitzer. Um, as we record this, they've probably just tipped off against Redlands. So we don't have that result in here. So maybe they look great against Redlands. If they look great in that game, then maybe scratch a little bit what I've said. Um, number 23 was Claremont Mud Scripps. They had a 37-point win over UC Santa Cruz. Um, you know, I, Maybe that's a stock up a little bit. I don't know how good Santa Cruz is going to be, but that's a convincing number. Uh, Middlebury had the six-point home loss to St. Joseph that we mentioned earlier. I would say maybe Middlebury, maybe that makes them a stock down a little bit um, with that one result. And then I said UW Oshkosh 
Uh, maybe stock up, maybe even 30-point home win against Illinois Tech. They were 25 in the poll. Uh, and that, that's, a, that's a strong result. Illinois Tech, I don't know if it's going to be great this year after losing their uh, easily their best player last year to graduation. Um, but again, that's a, that's a big number, so maybe they would hang around uh, as expected where they were. It'll be interesting to see what happens here, Matt, especially, you know, maybe the last five or so spots, because, you know, there's a couple of teams you pointed out there where they won, but it was maybe a smaller margin than what Mm -hmm. uh, would be expected or what a top 25 voter would like to see. So there might be some cases where it feels like on the surface, a team is being dealt with harshly because they didn't lose, but they end up falling out when we see the next poll. But I think that that just speaks to how many good options there are fighting for those bottom spots where you might win a close game. Um, at home, but there might be another team who also won more convincingly that suddenly gets that spot. So it'll just be really interesting to see how some of those teams jockey uh, for position there at the bottom of the pool. Yep. And, and as you, you kind of mentioned there, it's, it's not just about what you, what you did if you won, it's about what other teams did around you. If they had more impressive wins or or better games, they might move up, even though you won and didn't do anything wrong. Um, That can happen. It's just, an ordering of teams and uh, it's not, it's not a standings order, right? So uh, if just because you won, doesn't mean you have to stay where you are. You might move down um, even though you didn't do anything really wrong about it. Yep. Ultimately it's a big opinion poll. All right, Matt. Well, that's quite a bit. That's uh that's an action packed first week. And you know what? The second week will be even better. So let's get into our uh, review of the week one pick slate that we had for last season, Matt. Uh, we, uh, it actually started with the game of the week, but we'll get to that to the, at the end, uh, at the top of the page here, we had a, the matchup between Emerson playing at Colby. The, uh, Emerson was, uh, getting two points there, uh, and they win outright 93, 88 Matt, our, our guest picker, Ryan Scott got that one right. Uh, whereas we went with Colby. All right. East Texas Baptist was getting two and a half at Pomona Pitzer. Uh, that ended up being a 75-59 win for uh, Pomona Pitzer. Uh, but we were all on the wrong side of that one. So, uh, you know, I think you had made comment uh, that uh, we, we were guaranteeing someone uh, a win with all the agreement that we had. And it turns out to be uh, Pomona Pitzer was uh, the beneficiary there. All right. St. Norbert, we had as a five-point underdog at UW-Eau Claire. Matt, when I made the pick, I said, I'll take St. Norbert straight up. Uh, but give me the five, and that's what we have here. St. Norbert got the 76-64 win at Eau Claire. Um, a game we talked about earlier, Wash U was a 76-56 winner over Swarthmore. Uh, Swarthmore uh, was a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the computer line there. Uh, we all went with Wash U uh, and, and picked up that one. And then the D3 Datacast game of the week for week one, of course, was that opening night battle between Hampton City and Christopher Newport. Uh, Christopher Newport was the computer favorite by a point and a half, but it was a 74-53 win for Hampton City. And yours truly was the only one to go with the home team there, Matt. I pick up the point. So, add it all up. And Matt, I'm off to a 3-2 and two start. You start under 500 at two and three. I wear the crown for week one, but we have week two picks to get to. Yeah. I think you actually split the crown with guest picker, Ryan Scott last week. I think he was also three and two. So you get each half a crown for that one. So uh, week two picks late here for November 13th through 19. 
Um, I'll read the games, then we'll go one by one. The first game is North Park plus two points uh, versus Wabash. This is a um, neutral site game. We have Middlebury minus five and a half versus Redlands. This is a Great Lakes Invitational neutral site game. We have Keene State minus three and a half versus UW Platteville. Um, this one is also neutral site, I believe, in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota for the Small College Basketball Classic. We have Correct. Emory plus four points at Guilford in a true road game for Emory. That game is taking place at Guilford. And then the D3 Datacast game of the week is Calvin plus one point versus Marietta down there in Springfield, Ohio, as well at the Great Lakes Invitational. So uh, North Park and Wabash, Zach, who do you like in that one? Well, I like both teams. I think both are really good, but here I will take North Park. All right, North Park, and your bubble appeared on the correct one, so I was hoping that you placed those. Um, and uh, I will also take the Vikings uh, of North Park uh, plus the two. Uh, I also, I think, like North Park maybe straight up in that game as well, so we'll have to see how that one turns out. Uh, Middlebury and Redlands, Zachary. Yeah, too big of a number here for me. Um... I'm going to go with Redlands. Yeah, uh, we saw Middlebury have a uh, loss already at the hands of St. Joseph. Uh, five and a half was, to me, a too big of a number at the end of the day. And so I will also go with Redlands. Uh, Keene State and Platteville. Yeah, this was tough. I initially wanted to go with Keene State, but uh, I think Platteville is going to be my team to watch in the WIAC. And so I will take the three and a half um, in the, the neutral court. I think uh, South Dakota will be more of a culture shock to Keene State players than UW-Platteville players. So I will take Platteville. I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to take Keene State here. I'm really high on Keene State, although I do like what Platteville has done this season so far. But I think uh, I think I can see Keene State um, cover. I didn't really, though, consider as much as you did. This is a really long journey for Keene State. Um, still a fairly significant journey for Platteville, too, to get all the way to uh, Aberdeen. But, um, yeah, like you said, that might be more of a journey there for Keene State. But I, I, I like the Owls. Uh, Emory and Guilford. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with, with Emory here, uh, getting the four points at Guilford. Uh we, we talked about, like, the exhibition results look really good for Emory. And then, you know, not quite sure what to make of the Piedmont result. But also, maybe Piedmont is good with them taking Coastal Carolina to the brink. I don't know. I, I Ultimately, I just think that Emory's good enough to keep it within four. Give me Emory. Yeah, I'm going to take Emory as well. And I think I'm going to have similar similar opinions to you. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, for me, this was more about the four points. Uh, I think these are both going to be good teams. I think this is going to be a great game. But if you're going to, in, in a game, I'm not really quite sure where to go. Uh, Emory, for me, is higher rated. I know it's on the road, but you're giving me the four points. So I feel like that's, you know, at least the home court advantage there. So I'm going to go with my higher rated team, and I'm going to go with Emory. And in our game of the week, week down in Springfield, Ohio, we have Calvin with only a one point, who is only a one point underdog to Marietta in this game. Zach, who do you like? Well, Matt, you know I love an emotional hedge, and with Marietta beating Christopher Newport, it would have been very easy for me to take Marietta. But traveling to this event, rubbing shoulders with however many, I'm sure there will be a good Kelvin contingent there. I couldn't, in good faith, make the emotional hedge, so I will take our Kelvin Knights. Yeah, this being a neutral site game, uh, getting one point 
it's it's not much. You're basically picking the game straight up, but it it will you you know you will get the push if you get the one point defeat. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Calvin here as well. Uh, I'm gonna go with the with our home team, even though they'll be uh, won't be at home in this game. But I I still have I have Calvin number twelve. The the voters had them at number ten. We know we saw Marietta with a strong win over Christopher Newport. I think this is gonna be a tremendous game. Um, but I think my expectations coming into the season was that maybe Calvin was going to be a little bit stronger in this matchup, even though it was going to be close. And I think I still hold that. So with just the one point margin, I'm going to still go with our Calvin Knights for this pick. Uh, and if you would like to pick along with us, make sure you put them uh, down below in the YouTube comments or send us a tweet at D3Datacast and tell us who you like against these computer spreads here. And then keep track of your record yourself. We won't do it for you. <laughs> no, we will not keep track of everyone's record, but you can you can add it up and uh, tell us at the end of the season or update us week to week. Uh, Zach, we had an upset watch last week. It was number seven Williams on the road at WPI. And uh, the result of that game, as we've mentioned earlier, was a 77-62 win. Although I think I've been saying 16 points. Was it a 16-point win or a 15-point win? Anyway, it was, it, was a, it was a mid-teens win, 15-point win. Maybe I was wrong earlier. Uh, WPI won that game, so um, Upset Watch is undefeated on the season 1-0 and uh, for Upset Watch. You better be careful, and that's two years in a row that opening week Upset Watch has hit. So don't upset be Upset Watch got off. To, upset Watch yeah. got off to a hilariously good start last year. <laughs> off to a good start here. Yes. What do we have? What do we have for week two, Matthew? Week two, uh, I'm going to go with the Anderson Ravens at. Number 16, Wabash. I think this is a true home game for Wabash. Anderson is heading there, um, staying uh, in-state there. And I'm going to put... I, I expect Wabash to win this game, but this could, be a, this could be a sneaky challenge for them. I expect Anderson maybe to give them some trouble. Could be maybe a single-digit margin. We'll see. Uh, maybe this is going to go on the bulletin board for Wabash, and they're going to handle take care of business just uh, and, and be peachy there. But um, this is a game that they could lose. Anderson could sneak up on them, so... Keep an eye here. That's upset watch. And that's the end of the episode, Matt. We have a new uh, great job team member on our Patreon to acknowledge here. Our thanks to Greg Lewis for supporting the D3 Datacast, supporting this show, supporting our endeavor to keep D3Datacast.com free of ads and free of paywalls. All the information there is accessible to all because of the great support we've received from these fine folks here. If you would like to join them in supporting us, you can head to patreon.com slash d3datacast for more information. Uh, and Matt, one of the things we have for our great job team members as well is that all of these episodes, as soon as they're uploaded to uh, YouTube, are made available for our uh, our subscribers there. They don't have to wait for Monday morning. Yeah, they'll probably be up some point Sunday night once this episode gets live. So you can get that too if you join um, the Patreon tiers. We have two tiers. We have a $5 great job team tier and a $3 good job team tier. So if you would like to support uh, the efforts of the show and of d3datacast.com and the data that we uh, post there, then go ahead and, su and subscribe on Patreon as well. If you cannot afford that and you would just like to share the episodes, you would like to participate uh, in the YouTube comments, in the Twitter discussion, give the episode a thumbs up or rate the podcast five stars on your podcast app of choice. That helps us out a lot. We'd appreciate that too. Um, we enjoy the games. We enjoy the discourse uh, and, and just, just enjoy D3 basketball, everyone. 
Um, I think for the episode, we are going to sign off here. So for Zack Snyder, I am Matt Snyder. Good job, team.